This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Megan, AJ, Rudo coming at you live on a Thursday. Uh, day. Is it really Thursday? It is really Thursday. Man, time time, the Avs haven't played for three days and things just stop existing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I, have, I have gone to bed the last two days before 10 p.m. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Also, PSZ and I watched this movie last night on uh, on Netflix. Really weird. What movie? Uh oh my god! It's now now that the pressure's on. I can't so think of the name of it. Can't even know. Remember what the movie is? It was like it. It, it was like this like goofy like thriller with uh, Jason Segel and Jesse Plemons and uh, Lily Collins. And okay, like it's it's like uh, he's like a like a terrible thief who like breaks into this rich dude's home and like holds them hostage because he's just incompetent. Apparently, it's called Windfall. That's it. Thank you, Windfall. It's really the pacing and tone of it was so odd. <laughs> I I I still the morning the the morning after no idea how I feel about it. Did I like it? Did I hate it? Neither. But it definitely like stuck with me so much so that I forgot its name, but stuck with me. <laughs> hey, y'all remember that weird movie, AJ, in 15 years? Like, I don't know what it was called, but it was weird. <laughs> it was, I don't know. It was like Z and I talked about it when we got done, and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> right. So, three days, days off, you know? Yeah, three days off, and AJ's having an existential crisis. Got it. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know. I have I have like friends from Texas who are in town right now oh, that want to like hang out, and I'm like, okay, I got to be on the pod. <laughs> you got 45 minutes; they can wait. Uh, plenty of Avs news coming out today, mostly on the injury front. Uh, let's start with maybe the disappointing one, but also the easiest one to get through. Andrew Cogliano had surgery on one of his fingers. Uh, is expected to probably miss the entire cup finals. Uh, it said it was a very similar surgery to the one Kadri got just on a different finger, but obviously a disappointing news there for a guy who had been really good on the Avs fourth line. Yeah. Uh, that fourth line had really started to find its footing and find its identity and was making marks in basically every game. It wasn't like uh, oh, one out of every other, you know, one out of every three games or so, the fourth line would do. It was having an impact every night. You were seeing it uh, starting about game five against St. Louis, moving on. Uh, that that group, that trio, Helm, Cocliano, uh, O'Connor, had really found um, a little bit of magic. So it's it's... You're, you're not going to call Andrew Cogliano like a significant loss, but it's how do they how do they replace him? It's you know, it's Nico Sturm's music. So 
This is what you got Nico Sturm for. And you know, to have this have this be a Nico Sturm and not immediately have to turn to Jason Megna. That's you know, no offense, that's not anything against Megna. It's just Sturm is a guy that you're really comfortable with, particularly in that role on the fourth line, uh, as a as a bigger body that can help you win faceoffs and, and can still PK for you. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think with Sturm, you're you're comfortable putting him into the into that lineup, but you're definitely sad to lose out on the speed that Cogliano brought that Sturm does not. Yeah, uh, two guys who kind of do their job a little bit differently there for sure. Yeah. Cogs obviously has a couple of goals in these playoffs as well. Maybe a little bit more finishing ability there. Um, it will be a little bit interesting too to see because Sturm is a center, really. Yeah, he's played a lot of wing in Colorado, so it's been fine. And, and look, this, the transition from center to wing is a lot easier than the reverse, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, they'll make it work. Uh, but going down the list per our guy, Jesse Montano at practice today, uh, Kadri is back in the workout room at least. So mm. he's lifting weights. That finger or thumb rather has, has to be at least somewhat functional. I'm telling you he's going to play. Like it. I like, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's game one. He's going to play, but I, I just, this is barring, barring any kind of setback, man. There's just too much optimism surrounding it right now for me not to believe it. I've got a whole week to be convinced otherwise, so why not believe it? So is that, I mean, if Kadri plays, then you're not even talking about Nico Sturm, right? It's just Kadri back in the lineup, and, and you go with what you have. Uh, depending on how you want that third line to look. That's kind of been the fluid, uh, you know, are, is is Burakovsky still the odd man out? Do you, sure. Do you finally put that new hook Burakovsky comfort line together in some form and then have a have Abe Kubel be on that fourth line instead of Sturm, you know. There's some I think there's some different things, but um you know so, with Kadri with I think we can I think what we should just talk about today is the two worlds yeah. with and without. Well yeah, let's I mean let's just get into it. Let's let's start with the world of with AJ, we've talked about this a little bit before, but given a thumb injury, you're expecting Kadri to play on wing if he does play. Yeah, there's no way he's taking faceoffs with that thumb injury. Um, Just slot him on wing, which is complicated because we've seen him in wing in his time in Colorado. It has not gone particularly well, but he's been so good this year that you'll take you'll roll that dice. So what Kadri on wing, Megan, are you keeping him on line two then? Or how do you organize that? I'm look. I'm trying to see, I probably would keep him on line two, but would that um, keep Miko as two C yeah. and Lecky on off wing? Yeah. I think, okay. um, you know, it's still high caliber talent, but no one is particularly playing to their strengths. Um, but it's still probably better than alternatives. Um, so yeah, I guess I'd probably have, Kadri left wing, Miko still centering, Lecky off wing. I mean, Lecky off wing hasn't been bad, so. No, <laughs> and if you I'm really supportive. had any kind of an issue there, um, you could always swap him and Nachushkin, um, because Nachushkin, Nachushkin can play. He's played both wings without any issue. 
uh, and Landis Cobb can do the same thing. So there's the, the wings that they do have. There would be uh, there would be that flexibility there if you really had some sort of an issue with uh, with Lekkonen playing uh, on the right. I I gotta ask. Mm-hmm. I know I know what y'all are gonna say, but any mm-hmm. thought to putting Alex Newhook and underline that with also JT Confer as potentially on the second line uh, at center. I don't think so, but I think on the left wing, you could, you could, you could sell me on new hook on the left wing on the second line and Kadri on the left wing on the third line, that first game back to see how he's feeling okay. uh, and, and kind of work him into it and be like, okay, well, how effective is he going to be? Is he going to, you know, trying to trying to gauge it instead of just being like, all right, well, if you tell us you're good enough to play, you're in the top six and we need you to score and be super important for us. Okay. So you could you could sell me on on that kind of alignment too, where uh he's you you put him on the third line to start with and then just see how he does. If because if he's gonna be limited in effectiveness, then maybe limiting the minutes is also a smart call. And then you could also it, the other thing uh, that you like about a cadre down on the third line is that he's not going against a top pairing or uh, even a second pairing at that point. He would be probably going against a lower pairing and a lower, uh, you know, a, a Rangers or Lightning third or fourth line as well. So they could they could kind of hide him a little bit and figure out just what they have uh, with him before you know putting him in a position to okay we're expecting the moon from you it's so it's more about sheltering nas then than giving opportunity to anyone yeah and I, well and I, I maybe not even sheltering but as much about figuring out what Where you have here. this version what this version of a cadre is going to look like okay uh, and being comfortable with it, because if he's if he plays through the pain and if he's like close to normal level of effectiveness, say he's at like eighty percent of what what you would expect him to be, you're fine. Like then he's on your second line and you're you're just living with it. Yeah. But if that's if it's more like fifty percent, <laughs> a bit of a different conversation. As exactly. So. Other side of that coin, look, we've asked for Newhook on the second line fairly regularly this season, and it rarely has been. So are you okay with the same proposition if it's Andre Burkowski or JT Comfer stepping up into that second line role? Yep. So any or, depending on how Kadri looks? Yeah. And yeah. that's that's where you like your lineup a lot is that – Burkowski being on your second line, that's a guy that's fine. He's You're already fine. shown yeah. that he's good. Uh you you like you like that possibility, uh, if it's Newhook. The thing with Newhook is that of the of the guys here, he's done the least to deserve it. Sure. And that's like just truth. JT Comper's outplayed him in the postseason. Like good margin, um, I would say. Yeah, and Andre Burakovsky outplayed both of those guys probably combined during the regular season. Yeah, and 
so you've got you've got other things with those guys that that you're more comfortable with. Uh, also, two guys who have spent a lot of time in expanded roles in the NHL. Um, Alex Newhook, just not the case. So I think Newhook would like. I think I think this Newhook talking about a thing is is something that we're going to do. Sure. But I mean, that guy was a healthy scratch to start the postseason. In, like, I in just reality, think that it's probably not him. Yeah. Yeah. Coaching, coaching from the coaching staff, uh, it feels like they probably would not do that as quickly as any of us would. So let's run the second line without Nas in then. It's still going to be Miko at 2C, still mm-hmm. probably going to be Lekkonen. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is with Burakovsky, we know he's not 100%. Sure. Are you just letting him play through it on the second line, or yep. are you? Are you okay? So, Burakovsky's your number one spot. Yep, he's my first go-to. JT Comfer would be my second go-to. Okay, uh, and then Newhook after that. And then you're just living with whatever your line three looks like, or maybe I don't know, Megan. Do you have someone specific you would drop in on the third line? Ben Myers. Yeah, can't do God, that, that unfortunately. If he was available. <laughs> Sorry, I missed just before it though. So you had Berkey, Miko Lecky, second line. Correct. Presumably New Hook and Comfort. some Comfer and someone. Who's that third spot for you on the third line? Knack. It's Abe Kubel. I, I don't know that um, there's really an alternative I'd see working better there because I still want to keep Helm and OC on that fourth line together even if Cogliano isn't there. Just wanted to see. Wanted to see if you would put the DU kid up a line. I, I'd love to promote him, but I, I still think I like what Helm and OC are doing. That's also, I, I would agree that, like, as, as well as I think those guys have played, you want them to continue to play together because that's part of the mixture is that they've played well together. Uh, and so keeping them, I, I would agree with you that that having them stay as part of a combo is great. So uh, funnily enough, you're almost back into what it was like in the regular season where the abs were mm-hmm. running a pair of forwards on every line. Yeah. And the pairs well, are and... different, but you're running pairs. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the other part of this that we could, we could talk about is if Miko Rantanen is not your two C. I, how do you, how do you get there then? Who's playing two C for you? That's probably if if no Kadri, it's probably Comfer. Okay. So you're and then and then I think there. you're probably running a more defensive second line with maybe even a Nachushkin, Comfer, Lekkinen, and then just running the three HM up top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go proper best on best, and then give a give an offensive look third line with the new hook Berkey. Yep. Okay. A new well, then it would be uh, new hook Berkey and and Knack. Yeah. And then uh, Sturm Helm O'Connor, whatever combination sure. that ended up being. Sure. Whoever whoever they wanted to put in the center. lineup would be yeah. fine. Okay. So. The... <laughs> I feel like we haven't come to any answers. We've just given a bunch of options. For the well, and, and I, I think that that's the real, that's the real feather in Colorado's cap, even in this situation, um, is that. And, and the other thing that we could talk about is, 
the, the other option, I guess, that we haven't mentioned is that Rantanen does go back to that top line. Kadri does play center. He just doesn't take faceoffs. Yeah. It, I, He's like your 2C, but he just doesn't take the faceoff for you. He, you know? I, you could get really cute at that point and like have Landy take faceoffs on that line or and something. And that's if that's if that's the alignment, if you have Kadri as the 2C, I would put Landy there for that reason. Yeah. Because we've seen Arturi Lekkinen take faceoffs and he is apathetic at best. <laughs> uh he just looks like he wants to it it's it's like me trying to do homework. I just want it done with. I just want it over. Please stop. <laughs> uh, if so. your fans of other teams were happy to have you in the chat, if you spam, we're gonna time you out. Yeah, I mean, come on, don't be a don't don't be a dumbass, dude. I know you're a Rangers fan, so it's hard, but try to overcome that. <laughs> uh, okay, we are brought to you by. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get it at a local liquor store near you right now. Also, go to breckbrew.com and nominate a star of the community for their chance to win tickets to a Stanley Cup Finals game. As are guaranteed two at Ball Arena, and they're giving away tickets to both. So, go over there, check it all out. Also, check out all of Breck Brew's merch. Check out our shirt we did with them. Uh, yeah. They're, they're awesome. Everything about Breck Brew is dope. You also may have heard... Uh, our uh, our sister site PHNX just partnered with Four that's Peaks Brewery. Awesome. So that's the brewery I went to when I was there for the Prospect Showcase. Yeah. So there you go. It's also the place they're hosting their draft party. I think. Uh, I fully expect it is. Yeah. That no. their draft party? You mean our, our draft, draft party? Yeah. You know, we might be crashing that thing. We'll see. We'll see. I think that'd be I cool. Think pretty good chance of it. <laughs> so check out Breck Brew if you're here. They have their beer in all of the lower 48 states. If you haven't tried it yet, you gotta find some. Jump on it already. We're also brought to you by Sexy Pizza. If you go to sexypizza.com or no, it's excuse me, it's www.sexy.pizza. If you go there, that's their website. Use the code DNVRAVS. You can get 15% off any of their pizzas. Go ahead and order that stuff right now. Their pizza's delicious. <laughs> it's been it's been what like three or four days since we've had their pizza, and I'm I'm legit going to order sexy pizza for dinner tonight oh, for the game. So good. We got <laughs> so good. We got four pizzas pregame for game four, and yeah. by the end of the second period, they were gone. Yeah. So. One of those, uh, Megan ate one of those pizzas on her own. I definitely did. I saw that shit. <laughs> like a fucking pizza wood chipper over there. Every time I looked over, it's just like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> like, oh my God. And look, Megan eats the crust, so she's better than everyone else at this company. Lace calls the pizza bones. That's so funny to me. I'm not anti crust, <laughs> but calling them pizza bones is very funny. I think it's really funny. <laughs> Chat, crust or no crust? I am curious. How many people are on our side here? Because we need more crust people. Uh, <laughs> go again to sexy.pizza to order today. 15% off some delicious pies. You can also check out the Philanthropies, or when you buy them, some proceeds go to local businesses. Uh, you help support all of that. Second period. 
of yeah. the D. Well, that's a lot of crust, people. That's Let's a lot of crust. Here for it. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say uh, I do. If there's one thing that I think Papa John's figured out, like give me give me something to dip that crust in. <laughs> that helps. That helps me with that. Um, because I'm I'm very like it depends on the crust. Okay, fair enough. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The other big inj- injury conversation is the guy who's no longer injured in Darcy Kemper. 100% according to Darcy Kemper. Look, according to himself. Now, this isn't that surprising. He did back up game four. Yeah. So kind of knew this was coming, but, you know, a little a, a funny moment in the interview with Jesse today where Kemper is like, I don't know. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about my injury. <laughs> so. uh, it was upper body. <laughs> I wonder what it could be. <laughs> uh, but he is 100%, which is great, obviously, for him. But the other big conversation here is game one. Who are you pulling the trigger on? Megan? Darcy Kemper, I will pop out of the bushes to defend Pavel Francouz, but a healthy Darcy Kemper is the best case scenario. Wait, hold on. Are you in the bushes specifically in case somebody is there to disparage (laughs) Pavel Francouz? Or were you just like walking by? Or pop out of the bushes to defend. It's Pavel Francouz. (laughs) Probably any Eagles player. We haven't even talked about McDonald at practice today but I was ready to pop out of the bushes for that one too. I'm but a little bit. I'm, I'm very, suddenly very happy that our yard is a distinct lack of bushes <laughs> and it's mostly just grass. That, that zero scaping is popular. Yeah, I, Colorado. I tell you. Do you also hide the goalie knife in the bush? <laughs> Do you have like a whole like setup in there? You got a fort there's, going on? There's several bushes. <laughs> you need one to hide the knife. If you see Megan going around the city planting knives in bushes, know that it's to defend Pavel Franco. Is okay. it? Wait, wait. So, on to, my life. To further this, are you planting them in the bushes in case you're in that area again so you could be prepared? Or do you no, actually have do you have a secret army of Pavel Franco's defenders <laughs> popping out of bushes on your behalf as Manning well? Manning the bushes around the city. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> we're uh, we're okay. We're letting people in on the goalie defense secret. I see. We've, we've broken open a whole story here. Okay. I actually found a tweet from 2014 where I was bullying Darcy Kemper. And I'm not proud of this. It was game seven against the Wild and the Avs. Um, and he had left due to an injury. And for some reason, I thought he was being dramatic. I feel so horrible about this. But I found a tweet from 2014 of me bullying him. And I it's made me sick. I haven't felt good about it. The best part about having my other account permanently banned for violence was that I don't have to relive those things anymore because I also did the same thing in 2014. No Very anti Darcy Kemper back then. I feel so bad. I didn't really go hard in this tweet, but it, 
it wasn't right. Everybody's now searching your tweet history. Yeah, Congratulations. through. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you get your chance to defend him. You want him to start. I Why do. is he a better goalie than Pavel Francos? Well, he's been the starter all year, Kemper. So you just have to go with someone who had more game time experience. Um, I think that he had a couple shaky games. Some of that could be directly linked to this injury. Um, so I do have some concerns that Darcy saying he's 100%. He also probably felt he was starting the Edmonton series at 100% and then realized maybe we're looking at more 80. So I still have concerns that he is at 100%, but he started all season. Um, you have to go with Darcy. And then if there's something that goes awry in game one for him, there's still Pavel to start game two if that becomes necessary. Uh, well, so one thing that I am confident about Darcy and because he put himself in this room is that if he's not 100%, he's shown he will take himself out of the game. He's a guy who's, who yeah. went in the middle of that series and said, you know what? I'm not helping my team win back here because of the problems I'm having. Put Frankie in. So they did. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's a guy I trust to make the right decision, at least when it comes to that. That's a great point. Yeah. And I, I think... The reality here, Darcy Kemper was fourth or fifth best goaltender in the NHL during the regular season yep. and never really got off the ground in the postseason. One, hadn't didn't really need him to, uh, but two, third game is when he suffered that eye injury. And then we don't know how long he'd been dealing with complications from it before he pulled himself in game one against Edmonton. We just don't know. And given some of the goals that he gave up in, in that St. Louis series, like, especially you look back you're like, okay, puck tracking is one of the things that he was exceptional at when he was at his best. And when you watch, I think the Justin Falk goal to open game six against the blues. Yeah. That's, that's a goal that just does not get scored on Darcy Kemper during the regular season when he could see the puck cleanly. To turn around and find out that he'd been having vision issues, I don't think was a big surprise when you look at a, some of the goals that got given up where you were like, he didn't look like, even when he wasn't playing well this year, it didn't look like this. Uh, so if he says he's healthy and if he feels comfortable um, with the puck tracking and all of that, I, I think, I think, and the rebounds, it's a great point as well from chat that the rebounds that he gave up, it was constant. In the, in the Blues series, everything that hit him was a rebound. He wasn't swallowing up anything. And again, that's all puck tracking. And I think that if he feels like he's at his best and he's good to go, you give him that opportunity. But you also know, Pavel Francouz just won you a series. Now, was it... Was he so good? If he was so good... We wouldn't be having this conversation. He got worse in each start. Yeah, so I did want to, and and we're getting into fantasy land a little bit here, obviously. But if the order of the games that Francois played in the Edmonton series is reversed, are you starting him in game one? If he finishes the series on a shutout. Frankie? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You're at the point of the season where it, it is what have you done for me lately. The game, the game two shutout does not mean a game one start the next series because games three and four happened. 
Yeah. If they were in reverse order, absolutely. Pavel Francouz is your starter for game one. And if he gets lit up, then you go back to, to Kemper. Like, no issue. You feel bad, but you do it. And instead, like, Pavel Francouz gave up five goals. And in in the closeout game, it, it, it took you scoring six to get there. That's not to say all five goals are on Pavel Francouz. Absolutely not. The first two goals against were freaking breakaways. Like, help a brother out. But then you look, they get a 5-4 lead, and look at the goal. Look at the game-tying goal from Zach Cassian. It's the only thing that Neanderthal could do was bang home a puck sitting in the crease because he sucks. But Frankie just lets a puck get through him. It just teleports through his body. Like, it just wasn't good enough at the end of that game. So I, I think that Darcy gets the game one start, but if you have to go to Frankie, you you will. So uh, the way I've thought about it is after that game four from Frankie, when when you look at these playoffs, what what's your concern with Darcy Kemper? Well, he's given up some soft goals. And if you were in a world where Frankie really hadn't given up any soft goals, maybe that's more of a conversation. But in game yeah. four, it, it's the exact same thing. Frankie gave up some soft goals. Game three, the only goals he gives up are soft goals. Both both were soft. And it, it's just two of them. And we talked about, look, if you're going to give up soft goals, it, you have you have to stop it somewhere. Like if, if it's just going to be two goals, you don't care that they're soft. It's fine. But the way that game three built into game four left you feeling like if he's hell, if, if Kemper's healthy, man, you really well, do want to go back to him. So you have two goalies that are having the same problem. So play the better goalie. Now, I'm sure some people will make the argument that Francis is the better goalie, but the course of this season just will not support that argument. Right. They had a whole regular, and Frankie had the easier job of the two. Yep. So I had yeah. He put up he put up just fine numbers. It, Frankie wasn't bad, but every time that you get into the underlying numbers for goalies, you know you get in you you get beyond save percentage. For Pavel Francouz, Darcy Kemper separates in a big way. Yep, it's so. Well, you know, and and yeah, Frankie it, it was, was like Frankie was solid enough in the Edmonton series that. You're not like we can't go back to that guy. It wasn't like sure. David Riddick, you know, in the Nashville series, where the guy, <laughs> the guy played like 12 minutes, <laughs> and was so horrible that they never went back to him. They went to Connor Ingram, you know. Like it's not like that. He was solid enough that if you feel like Kemper can't go and he can't give you his best in the Cup final, that you will turn to him, and you will ride for better or worse. You will ride with the Pavel Francouz experience if you have to. But the point is, is that when given that chance to secure that job, once again, as he has every time in his career, Frankie left that door open. So, Megan, let me ask you this. How long is the leash for Kemper in the cup finals? What's it going to take to get Frankie in? What's the minimum? What's the best performance Kemper can give that would still give Frankie the next start? Um. I guess it's hard to quantify because like if I I'm talking in goals um there's a lot that happens in front of him that could affect why that is I think it it'll come down to 
Kemper self-identifying his own performance and assessing it um, and looking at things like rebounds allowed. Um, and I don't, I don't know what number for a goaltender would be tracking as high in a game to like say, and this would be when I would say Frankie starts game two if Kemper allows this many rebound opportunities. Like it's hard for me to get that specific about it. Um, I guess if the Avs um, provide what you could qualify as goal support, keeping them within one goal, I think would be good. Um, even if they lose by a one goal differential, then you continue on with Darcy Kemper. There's a part of me that hates this side of sports because if you get into a game and you watch Kemper give up three stinkers, there's a point where it hits where it's like, you know, you feel it, you know, like Kemper doesn't have it. You should start Frankie next game. Right. But you're right. It, it is hard to quantify because it, it matters. If Kemper gives up three goals and all of them are barring in missiles, you're like, well, you know, he didn't play that bad. Yeah. I mean, even if, even if Kemper gives up three bad goals, but you lose three to two, you're like, ah, yeah. We were right there in it. Like, you want your goalie to keep you competitive. It's what you're asking him to do, right? So I it's, I, I think it's too... The the water is too muddy to, to draw that conclusion. Obviously, if he goes out and he gives up four goals in the first period, you pull him and you don't look back. Right. So That's the easy one, but... There's easy ones, and the other ones, you'll know it when you see it kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely know it when you see it. I mean, okay. the the Edmonton one, you knew when that third goal went in, you knew something yeah. was seriously wrong. Because yeah. that's not a goal that you ever see in the NHL. It's not like it's not like the, the, the Bozak overtime goal or the Ryan McLeod goal against Frankie, where a goalie just, like, he just doesn't track the puck and doesn't, you know, like, it's a totally innocuous shot that Darcy Kemper never really picks up. The puck hits him. It yep. lands next to his foot, and Kemper doesn't react at all. And yep. you're just like, I don't know that I've ever seen a goalie do this before. He has no idea what's happening right now. So that was – it was just such a striking way for that for it to unfold and for him to, to recognize it and be like, I can't go. It's a good Fair thing enough. Mike Smith was in the other net. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't get the they didn't get the best on the other end, and and you know that's the funny thing about hockey is we've seen even arguably the two best goalies in these playoffs. We've seen Igor have bad games. We've seen Bassey have bad games. Mm-hmm. So any given night, whoever shows up could be the what difference. Was, going into Game Four, Vasi had like an eight eighty save percentage in in the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. this year. Like it's not great. He, he hadn't been great. It's the same thing at the start of the uh, Toronto series. Vasi wasn't really any good to start that series either. So, you know, those guys, those guys are human. They're just, when they're on, they're just exceptional. Yep. Uh, speaking of exceptional, Green Mountain Dental Group. You can go over there. Probably don't want them messing around with your eyes. But they can take care of your teeth, which is also part of your face. So the more common hockey player problem would be taking care of your teeth. So head over to Green Mountain Dental Group. When you get a cleaning x-ray and exam with them, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Highly recommend you go over there. Everyone who switched says they love it. Jesse, it's like his favorite place to go now. He's actually starting to like the dentist, which is weird to me. But 
you know, whatever does it for you. <laughs> he, he said his favorite part is how quick they are because he always has to like gear himself up. He gets ready to go for like a 45 minute dentist visit and then they're done in like 15 minutes. And he's like, great. Awesome. I can leave as soon as possible. Uh, so go over there. Check out Green Mountain Dental Group. They're great at what they do. Just 15 minutes from downtown over in Lakewood. Also, of course, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Did you know Kale McCarr for the Con Smythe is still positive money? You can get it on it right now at plus 170. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can get it on it. It's not a bad deal. You can also sign up with a new account with the code DNBR. Bet $5 on the NBA Finals that you don't even have to get correct, and they will give you $150 in free bets, which you can go place on anything you want. Our pick of the week the other day was uh, take the Mammoth to win the uh, Lacrosse League Finals. They play on the 11th. So if you need something to do with Halloween... They did love his game one. Wins game three if they win. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't keep track of the the schedule yeah. either. But either way, something <laughs> unfortunately something had to get cut from from the life uh, at one point. And yep, it's big because I got pretty into lacrosse where I was regular going to both Mammoth and Outlaw games, and I just lost that ability to do that. I I could never do it with Outlaw games, man. Those were a lot harder sell for me, but the Loud House was really easy to go and spend time in. I love Mammoth games. Absolutely. Uh, either way, go over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that DNVR code. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by that DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, yeah, Caleb, I uh, will get to you after you the can, show. You can email Rudo. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't have to be Twitter. Email also works fine. Uh, or if you're, if you want, Caleb, just send me your email in chat. If you're cool with that. If you're not, I get it. You can email me at, uh, Rudo SC2 at gmail.com. And um, presumably you would email me with, you know, your email, which is what I need. Mm-hmm. All good, Caleb. We want to get you sorted out. Anyway, while Caleb's getting sorted out, uh, third period of this podcast, how healthy can the abs get on this break? Because we've already talked about Burkowski. We know Nack's dealing with some things. It's it's not clear how healthy Nico Sturm is. We know he had a, his arm uh, that was keeping him out of the lineup for a little while. We've talked about potentially Devon Taves not being 100%. Obviously, Landy still isn't practicing, managing that knee. It, it, I know it's impossible to put a number on it, but how much of a difference can these 10 days off make for the Avs overall in the health department? I mean, I think specifically with Kadri, a lot. Yeah. Because if the series was starting, uh, you know, say Monday, 
Kadri's not he, he's not going to be ready for that. You're halfway through the series by the time you're having that conversation of it even being possible, right? Yeah. But um, it's starting it's starting next weekend. Uh, it opens that up for you just with Kadri alone. You know, with Burakovsky, who knows? We don't know the severity of that injury. This might just be delaying the inevitable for him. But no doubt having like a week off is going to help him like rest it up and get it feeling some kind of way before he has to go out there and try and push it in a Stanley Cup final. I think I, I think it'll help, but some of the injuries might be, you know, like the Landeskog, whatever's going on with Taves. I think those will be things that they have to put serious rehab time into in the summer and Can't really make it that much better. Yeah, it's it's not really going to make a huge difference there, but it's going to make uh it's going to make a big difference for specifically Kadri and he's so important that worth. Even if even if that time off means that Braden Point is healthy or Ryan Strom is healthy for the Rangers or Lightning, worth. Get your guys and I mean, you want best on best, right? That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, you want you? I mean, <clears throat> I'd love to see both of these teams fully healthy. Yeah, no argument there. Uh, it's going to be a weird question, but who is Kadri more important against, the Rangers or Tampa Bay? Are we assuming that Stroman Point are in or out? Uh I'll leave it up to you. Because I, I, I like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't expect Point to be back. Um, I'm not sure on. I think, I think, I, th- I think Kadri's huge if those guys are back. It might even be bigger if they aren't, because then it, it, you're not talking about trying to close a gap. You're talking about widening one between a second line and. We saw how, I mean, how good was the second line? How good was Lekkanen, Kadri, and Miko Rantanen? Lights in that, out. When they, when they got put together, they were awesome. And if Kadri can even get to 70, 80% of that, you love it. If he can only get to 40 or 50%, maybe he rushed it back and you're not, you know, you're not having, you're not as in love with that. So, yes, obviously we're assuming Kadri is in. That's the point of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> like, the kind yes. of the question kind of implied. Yeah. If he's if he's out and they and the other teams have Strom or Point in, that's a very big thing for them as well. Goes both and ways. Then the onus is on Colorado to try and find a way to close the gap between those second lines. So we can go back to the other side of it though. Let's Megan, let's talk about the Kadri out situation. And I know both of you are going to look at me and go, Rudo, it takes a village, but, <laughs> but give me the top guy. Who's the top guy that would have to step up. If Nazem Kadri is not playing in the cup finals. Sing the song. It's Vico Rantanen. Sing the song. <laughs> is yeah. it me? Go, yeah. <laughs> so, so where are you at with Miko? Because I do think we saw it start to come up at the end of the Edmonton series, but 
how much better does he need to be? Just based on a conversation we had before the pod, he needs to be better than Arturi Lekkonen. Okay. I like it. I like that. That's a good benchmark for Miko, I think, right now. Because Lekkonen's been great. That's a compliment mm-hmm. to him. It's just Miko has a solidified place on this team for several years now that he he can elevate his play the way that Lekkonen has been able to in the playoffs. It's so here's my question with Miko because you're never gonna get high end play out of him defensively. He does good things defensively, he back checks well at times. Obviously, had a great poke check in the Edmonton series at the blue line, dude. Him like going all in, yeah, to get pucks out in the last two games in Edmonton. You're like, this is fun. This is a fun dimension of Miko Rantanen that we don't normally get. So, what is it specifically that he needs to do better? Is it, is in my brain, it's shoot the puck more, but is it more complicated than that? I would say just make himself more dangerous. Okay. Um, because we've seen, you know, on the power play in this postseason, you look at where he hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't been as good in this postseason as he was during the regular season. Is he's not? Teams aren't. Teams are are aren't even defending him the same way because of this. They're they're taking their chances defending McKinnon and McCarr and saying, "All right, well, if Miko Rantanen beats us, then we're okay with that." But we're not letting those other guys do that. And it's because Rantanen. I mean, when is the last time like? That, that him walking in and beating Mike Smith like that. It's the exact thing that he has not done this postseason on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. It, he's He hasn't walked in and he hasn't stepped into as many of the dangerous areas of the ice as we're accustomed to seeing. He's still hanging around the net trying that cute little chip. He's, he's regularly getting pucks and firing passes back into the middle of the ice, trying to trying to make the all-world play for, like, the backdoor tip, which I don't necessarily have a big problem with, but as a scorer, as a guy who led the Avalanche in scoring, he had 36 goals this year. You know, he's got he's got three 30-goal seasons in the last four, and the only reason it's not 4-4 four four is because they only played 56 games last year. He's a really good goal scorer who's kind of taken it out of his own game and I know people in chat are like, oh, he scored in every game against Edmonton. Yeah, it's, he, had, he has five goals this postseason, and four of them were in that series. He scored one per game. You know, there's an empty net goal there. He picks up a nice goal there. It, you started to see more of what you expected from Miko. You, the goal that he scores in game one, is just a, it's a beautiful snipe right over Mike Smith's glove. Then he beats him five hole in game five. Like, you started to see the more well-rounded uh, offensive arsenal, and if that continues from Miko, you love it. Like you're, you will a hundred percent take even even some of the frustrating things that he did, like uh, uh, game four, the stepping into the middle of the ice and trying to make the cute little move instead of just getting the puck up the wall that led to the game tying goal the other way. Like you'll live, you you hate that. But if you get a play from Pavel Francouz there, you 
you're fine. Yep. But he's been he was he was better. Defensively it's still a work in progress. Look, he's just not a natural center. He's moonlighting there for you right now. And if he continues to do that, defensively is still where you're gonna have a problem. But and this is no offense to Tampa Bay or the Rangers, there's no Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisidel combination coming down at them on the other side. Obviously, Kucherov and Stamkos, Panarin and, and Zibanejad, those guys are all world. They're exceptional. They're just not quite as good as what they just went through, though. So the drop in defense from Miko defensively, look, the upside from the other guys is not is also just not quite there. They're great. They're just not the very, very, very best. And that's uh, those razor-thin margins are the difference in a cup finals, right? So... There's not a big gap between any of these teams once you get down to the conference finals. Um, in any case, I think as, as we're kind of winding down the show, uh, plenty more to talk about over the next nine days, so I don't want to get into too many topics. But anything else you guys particularly wanted to touch on today? Uh, do, we, do, do we still have a feel? Do we still have a feel for a preference here? Is it do you guys do you guys have a strong feeling about which team you would prefer to play? Not not trying to be disrespectful and be like, well, those guys are bums or whatever. Like they're both teams are two wins from the Stanley Cup final. Obviously they're great. But is there is there one of these two teams that you would rather see? When Rudo asked about Kadri, like, would he be a difference maker against Tampa more or the Rangers more? I actually, with how this series has unfolded, I'm not sure who I really want the Avs to see over the other, um, just based on how it's unfolded, because I do think the margin between these teams has become a lot more narrow than I expected. And some of that is dependent on injuries. And if any one player does return to one of those teams, definitely makes a difference in who I'd want the Avs to then play. Um, but I think I'm trying to remember if my preference has always been New York. I think it has. I'm still leaning towards New York because I think it would be a fun series. But there's there's a lot of people who want to see them take Tampa on and destroy. I think it was you guys who were saying it, like destroy the big boss, the final boss. But I think I'm still leaning New York. I am, I am always team gauntlet. I want it to be the hardest path. I'm not trying to make it easy. I want it to be the championship of all championships. And look at, like, if Tampa Bay wins it this year, they go, they look at the route that they have to go through. There's no free pass in the final for them this year, like it has been the last two years with Montreal and Dallas. Like, yep. I'm I'm curious to see how that, if, if it ends up being Tampa Bay, I'm curious to see how that plays out. That their Stanley Cup final is not the pushover team that, Got through, got through overrated Vegas. All the, all the way there, yeah, yeah. Got through uh, a Vegas team that consistently forgot how to score. Yeah, I look. I want Tampa because either way, that series ends amazing. And and obviously, like from the Avs side, if they lose, it's crushing. But yeah. that's Tampa three peating, which is literally unheard of <laughs> in the modern era. Yeah, there isn't. I mean, there's nobody in. In any of any of the major sports, that's three-peating. Yep. And then on the Av side, if they get it done against that, they get to say they prevented the three-peat. Exactly. 
and I I mentioned this at the the bar yesterday. Look, the I I would love the storyline of ending one dynasty to start the next. That's how that's how it went with the Islanders and Oilers. The Oilers ended the Isles dynasty to start their own. It would be fun for that to be Tampa Bay passing that torch to Colorado, or really Colorado like taking the torch from Tampa Bay is how that really goes. Like the Oilers winning, like the Oilers took it from the Islanders and back in the eighties. And it would be cool if this, you know, the, the penguins kind of took it from the red wings uh, yeah. when they won their first cup, you know, like they took that. And so I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about like the history on history side of this. If it ends up being the Rangers, then you have a team that's winning its first cup either since 94 or 90 or 2001. Like it will have been a while. Yeah, for for like two franchises, it's it's been a while, you know, not like long suffering. It's been fifty years or whatever. (laughs) Um, it's too it's too much, man. You gotta go. (laughs) Yeah, can't you can't continue to talk to our our people like that. Not acceptable. Yeah. Um. Anyway, look. The Avs are an extremely good hockey team. And Rangers or Tampa Bay, they're going to go up against an extremely good hockey team. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And I I'm just excited. I have to I have to bottle this excitement for another 9 days probably. Uh yeah. <laughs> keep it together as we find things to talk about leading up to this. Well, so Jesse and I are going to do tomorrow's show, and we're going to be really getting into storylines around the league, um, kind of just catching up on things. We're also going to be able to spend some of next week. We can talk a little bit of draft. We can talk a little bit of free agency because we're not going to have a lot of time, no matter how this series goes, good or bad. We're going to have like a week post Stanley Cup to talk about all of this. And yep. <laughs> It's going to be a fun couple weeks. It's going to be chaotic because when we get into the thick of things, when we get into the, the when the cup final starts every other day, like, you know, like that we're going to blink. The series will have taken place. Uh, the abs are either riding high and we're all, you know, in this weird haze for three months where <laughs> absolutely nothing in life is bad. Or you're absolutely devastated, but proud and excited that you got to be part of it. Um, and then the off season has to happen, and the abs the abs are going to have an enormous off season. Yep. So we're gonna we're really not going to talk too much about Arizona's arena shit. That there's a Coyotes there's a great Coyotes yep. podcast that gets in way more in depth on something like that, and it's just genuinely it's just not an interesting story to me. I don't. Yeah. I, it, it exists. It will be I, slightly more interesting if the deal actually gets done. Yeah. But not but, there. Yeah, Jesse and I will be back. We're going to do tomorrow's show. Uh, it's going to be the two of us just kind of talking storylines around the league and, you know, free agency and all the all the coaching stuff. This weird-ass Bruce Cassidy thing where he, Don Sweeney, tells him that he's golden. And then three weeks later, he's like... Hey, come to my house for a steak dinner. I'm going to fire you. <laughs> kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can talk. I mean, we're going to talk. We always talk about food. 
That's our whole thing. We have bad food takes. Oh, <laughs> a thing. We are putting a thing together. And uh, instead of this being like a surprise thing and us doing 95,000 hours of legwork, if you guys have any specific memories from the podcast from this past season, don't send me the Devon Taves rea- trade reaction. We've, we're good. From this past season, uh, you guys have any uh, favorite moments from the uh, from the pod? Please send them to us because we want to put together a thing kind of looking back on the year, uh, you know, the, the podcast over the last year. We've already got stuff like Megan's hilarious rookie lap. I love uh, we've cute. we've got some of these we've got some of this stuff already but we would definitely like to get more moments from the pod uh that you guys have uh have enjoyed from the last year i know i know all of you guys are not brand new so i think uh if you guys could send us some of that stuff we would be we would be all about that because we want to put together a cool video oh absolutely we absolutely need the the pulling of the tower Oh, dude. <laughs> um, that, that okay. fucking tower, man, would not. <laughs> Last thing. What are you all and myself doing to get through the next nine days? I'm looking at tweets from 2014 <laughs> to see how I was talking about the avalanche at the time. Did you see my tweets from yesterday? I was reading old articles and quoting them yep. as I was going, because I was just going through old archives. Uh, and yeah, that's how I spent yesterday. I'll, I'll tweet out. I found uh, the first piece of Avs content I ever made. Which was, was a bad a, picture? Yeah, it's a diagram of how I felt about the Avs power play in 2015. <laughs> Let me... Was it 2014-15? Yeah. They I, they probably weren't even that bad, but... I'm just curious how bad that, that power play ended Actually up. Actually was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I can't be that bad. I'm sure it wasn't that as, as bad as I thought it was. Oh, that, that seems like it's bad. <laughs> it... Scored at a 15% clip. That's pretty bad. Which was 29th out of 30, because there were only 30 teams in that league. (laughs) Uh, The only team worse was the Buffalo Sabres, the one tanking for Connor McDavid, mind you. Maybe the worst roster that has ever been put together in NHL history was that 14-15 Sabres. It was okay. the only power play that was worse. So I think your anger was justified. Seems seems like I did okay on that one. <laughs> okay, we're about to hit the hour mark, so we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We appreciate all of y'all a ton. Uh, we will be back, well, AJ and Jesse will be back tomorrow to uh, to talk about the hockey news and all of that I, good stuff. I like discounted. Like, Megan could also be on the show tomorrow. I just know for sure Rudo has the day off. <laughs> I've got a I've got a meeting with some bushes around town. <laughs> <laughs> Very important work to do. I understand. I Especially if uh, especially if Darcy Kemper is going to get the game one start. you got to get a week's jump on these I conversations. i get them loaded up. <laughs> I understand. Oh. No, I'm kidding. I'll I'll chat with you after. See. Word. All right.
We appreciate all of you, and we will talk to you on the next one.